Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that my short story is available for free at johntilton.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you both the ebook and audiobook of Doomed Dune. In this middle grade adventure, a girl named Melina travels to a forbidden landmark guarded by tyrannical robots, but her life turns upside down when she discovers the true reason it's off limits. Discover Doom Doom Secret by heading over to johntilton.com. That's J-O-N-T-I-L-T-O-N.com. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show. Each episode, I interview a different guest, from writers and painters to musicians and filmmakers. Together, we investigate the creative process and the reasons behind why we create. Many creatives brush up against a common roadblock, this feeling that they're unworthy to contribute their creativity to the world, that they're a lesser artist, the dreaded imposter syndrome. This is just one of many topics I had a chance to discuss with this week's guest, singer Nicole Johnson. We had a great conversation about two ways to look at the feelings of creative doubts, and I'm excited to hear what you think. But first, a little bit more about Nicole. She discovered her love for singing at a very young age, and since then, she's never stopped, always seeking to push herself and to share her wonderful talent with more and more people. That mission recently brought her to Globe Life Field, home of the Texas Rangers, where she performed the national anthem. We discuss what it's like singing in front of so many people. We also talk about how to find the next right goal for yourself, looking at creativity beyond the traditional arts, and much more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the show, Nicole. I'm excited to have you on. Yes, I'm excited to be here. We actually had your husband on a few weeks back, Frazier. Yep. And it was great talking with him. And I, I actually thought uh, I wanted to start with the same question I started with him. And that is, okay. if you could talk about some of your earliest memories with singing. My mom said that I started talking when I was nine months old. And then I began singing like really soon after that. And I have videos of me at like two years old making up my own songs to like my little um, toys. And so I'd just be making up my own stuff. There's one video where I guess I didn't want them to take a video of me. And so I was making up a song about take the camera away from me. And I was like, oh, gosh. So I've been probably singing forever. And I've, I, I cannot remember a time when I haven't loved it or haven't done it. Wow. So that's pretty young to start talking and then obviously singing as well. <laughs> now, obviously, you probably don't have memories of the very first time you did that when you're months old. Yeah. But do your parents remember if like, did they sing a lot to you or did you see or hear different albums and in, in you're mimicking that? See, that's the that's what I don't know, because nobody in my family is is musical and nobody sings. My mom would like sing to me when I was like going to sleep. So maybe that. And then we listened to like a lot of country music. So I think I was um, like mimicking some of that, like Leanne Rhymes and stuff like that. But yeah, and I was like putting on little shows of singing at like two and three years old and dressing up. Wow. And and they have some of these on videotape. Oh, yeah. We've got uh, like most of the videos because my mom did that thing where you take all of your home videos and you send it to, I think it's like Legacy Box. Yeah. Um, you send it to them and they'll put it all on um, USB drives and then also on uh, DVDs. So we watched all of those and a ton of them include just me like singing and performing and making up stuff. And I loved I loved making videos. Like I would also do, um, 
I would be like a news reporter and like a, like a weather forecaster. I would do that. And then I also, I loved Nancy Drew. And so I would like make my own Nancy Drew weird home. Like, like I would make up the mystery and you watch it now and you're like, Oh, good night. <laughs> they were, they were fun to do. Did you de- ever develop any, it sounds like you weren't camera shy at all. No. Yeah. No. Did you ever experience that or has it always been, you like to be on the stage. You like to, to show what you've got. It's so weird. Like I have anxiety in some other things, but like getting on stage and being in front of people, I, 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 I'll get like a tiny bit nervous because I don't want to mess up, but it's, it's not the being in front of people that scares me. It's the messing up that scares me. But yeah, so I'll get up there and it's like, Oh, there's like a couple 20, 30,000. Okay. This is fine. (laughs) But I actually do get more nervous in front of like three or four people. Yeah. Does that mean like, it sounds weird, but it's like, (laughs) I I think this is slightly different than what you're saying, but kind of in a similar vein where if I like, if I put something on social media or I put something out there and just random strangers can see it, especially, you know, you never know who, Uh who might view a post if you hashtag it on Instagram or whatever. But then as soon as like my wife is looking at it, I'm like, I'm just like embarrassed. (laughs) And and it's like, I know you're like, what? I should not be embarrassed. (laughs) It's like, this is definitely the opposite of what it, what it should be. Yeah. But then it's, it's funny that you mentioned like, okay, for like a few people, uh, it's, it's one feeling, but if it's in front of this huge crowd, it's something else. Yeah, it's it's so weird, and it's always been like that. And I'm well, and probably as I got older, it was like I would start to think too much if there was like not as many people, because you're like, oh my gosh, they're like looking directly at me. And when there's a lot of people, you can kind of like just look. No, you don't have to like focus on one specific thing. And so let's talk about yeah. that a little bit because maybe you're referring to a couple different events, but I'm assuming the one you're referring to is you've sang at what is it globe life field that where the texas rangers play yeah so you for the texas rangers yeah so you've sang the national anthem in front of huge audiences how did that yes. opportunity come about and what was that like one day i just randomly was like you know i need to start auditioning for more things so i looked up like national anthem uh auditions and that came up and theirs was cool because you just recorded it and put it on youtube but like as unlisted to where only they could access it And so I sent in uh, the national anthem and then God bless America. And I did that. I want to say like, like February of 2020. And they got back to me and said, yes, we would love for you to do it. And I was supposed to do it in April of 2020. But then as we all know, nothing like went to plan in 2020. And so then they were like, well, hold on. We might record it so we can play it at the game. So I went up to the stadium, recorded it. And then they never used that because they never played it. And so then I was like, oh my gosh, so I just did all that work for nothing. <laughs> and then it was this year, they contacted me again and were like, hey, okay, this year is going to be better. We're actually going to get to do it in person. And so it was it was like April of this year, 2021, that I finally like got to go with all the people in the stadium. And that was just so cool because I had actually, I think it was when I was in eighth grade, I had sang at the old um, stadium, uh, in Arlington. And I just sang, take me out to the ball game during the seventh inning stretch. And so that was super fun just to like, see it's like when I was like in eighth grade to see how much I've grown and to sing a much like more difficult song, the national anthem. And I was super nervous and I was mostly nervous because I don't know if you know this, but like in big stadiums, they can have a really bad delay. Yes. So when you sing, you are not hearing your voice until like a second 
later or two seconds later. And that will just throw you off if you focus on it. So I was like, oh my gosh, okay, don't focus on it. I had like little earplugs in um, that I could still hear stuff, but it blocked out most of the noise. And I was like, get the words right. Because if you get them wrong, uh, everyone knows the words. Yeah. <laughs> so, but luckily, lucky they're, they're like playing across the like banner. And so I was like, oh, if I forget it, I can just see it. Um, but it, it was just really cool. And it was, and it was mostly really cool because it was fun to like see everybody back together and yeah. not like an empty stadium. So it was just really fun. And my family was there and Frazier was with me and he got to actually stand really close to me. So it was cool having him there beside me. You mentioned the delay. This is actually something that I thought, oh, I really want to ask Nicole about because <laughs> I watched these videos of you in front of the crowd and and I had known that performing at venues like this, there is a delay and it yeah. just boggles my mind that anyone, like, like if something <laughs> happens when we're doing the podcast, like I lose my focus and my whole brain shuts down. So and especially <laughs> with like customer service on the phone and and I hear just a little tiny echo of my own voice, like a millisecond delayed, it throws like I can't even think straight. Yeah, it messes you up. Yeah. So I'm I'm sitting here wondering, okay, well, how are you performing on like the highest level <laughs> while having your your own voice coming back at you? So I actually I actually practiced a lot. Um, what I did was I recorded my own self on my phone and I would start singing myself and then I would press uh, play on my phone. So, and Frazier would help me do that too. And he'd hold it like close to my ear. So that way I had to just like sing straight through without focusing on the, the other version of me singing. And then also luckily at my church, I asked the sound guy, I was like, Hey, can I come in one day and you can like do some, whatever you do to the the sound system. And can you make it like a delay that would be in the stadium? He goes, Oh yeah, sure. So I practiced a few times doing that up on stage okay. um, with the delay. And so I just, for like two months straight, I just practiced almost every day because I knew that it would mess me up because it, it's messed me up before because nobody had warned me about that. Nobody had warned me, Oh, the delay is going to like kind of mess you up. Cause when you start to listen to your delay, you slow down and you also start to like either you can either usually go flat because you're listening to your delayed voice. So I was like, okay, just sing straight through, memorize the words so good that you don't even have to think about it. And so I think that that really helped. I think practicing a lot uh, really helped to make it look like effortless, even though it wasn't effortless. <laughs> but as long as it looks effortless, that's the point. <laughs> well, okay. So there's more to just it distracting you, like you mentioned it, it's making you go flat. Do you, do you know what it is about that? Like, is there some like technical music thing or is this just something that people have told you happens? Um, it's just kind of like what I've noticed about myself when I listen to um, myself sing back. And also whenever the sound guy was helping me, he was like, Hey, you were a little bit flat in the area. And I had remembered that I was starting to listen too much to my own echo and so it started to drag me down in going slower and in the pitch. Yeah. So you go on this quest to start doing different gigs like this, you know, uh, singing the national anthem at the stadium. Yeah. Uh, and you had mentioned previously um, you started putting applications out so you could mm -hmm. perform at things like this to get yeah. some more experience. Yeah. What, what sort of experience are you trying to build yourself towards? Well, I just want to make sure that I can sing in like all sorts of venues 
Um, so that way I feel comfortable because now I feel like if I was to go into another stadium, it's going to feel like no problem. Now, the first time I sang it, I was so scared, but I just want to be able to get, um, experience singing at a bunch of different kinds of venues. So that way I feel comfortable in a lot of different places. And then just also, I like to like push myself sometimes to do things, um, not that I'm scared of, but that just that I wouldn't think to do. It's like, oh, like, yeah, okay, let's go try and sing in a stadium because then that challenges me. Um, and I like to, I like to make like little goals for myself so that I'm always like, you know, like when you like a little like to do list and I want to make sure it's like, okay, this is like the next challenge to do and this is the next. And so it just helps me keep going. And I know that you guys as like writers do stuff like that to where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this prompt to stretch myself, you know? Yeah. I think it's definitely a healthy thing for creators because you don't want to, I don't know, it's, it's get stagnant. Yeah. It's a personal growth thing. And it's also something that keeps it interesting. Like you don't want to lose your passion for doing it. And if you're, you're just writing the same kind of book Mm -hmm. uh, and not pushing yourself to try something new that adds, yeah, like that stagnancy you're talking about. Yeah. And it makes, and it makes it fun. And then you, and then you get to like meet all sorts of different people and it opens up like your networking um, because singing at the national and this national anthem at the Rangers game has opened up so many random doors that would have never opened had I not done that. And so it's fun to do different things like that for that reason. Do you remember what like an early challenge or like the first challenge you ever set for yourself to to do something related to singing? Yeah, I think it was um, singing in like school talent shows. That was like my first challenge for myself was, okay, you sing in front of people all the time, like at home. So let's, and it was in kindergarten. Um, so I would, me- I memorized a song that I liked and I went up there and I sang it in front of everybody and I loved it. And so I was like, I got to keep doing this. But that was probably my first like challenge to myself. Do you remember what it was that you liked about it? Um, I, I think that I just loved like, sharing, like sharing the song that I loved with other people. Yeah. And it's, and I did, and what's weird is like, I love performing, not just because it's like, you get like a bunch, a bunch of attention. It's not usually for that. It's just that I just love doing it. Like that. I've just always remembered, like, I just love being up there. And I love that when you sing, I think it mostly comes from the fact that whenever I would sing, people would say like, that filled me with so much joy that gave me so much hope. Nicole, that was beautiful. That like brought tears to my eyes. And so just like imparting that kind of like beauty and joy to people. I think that that's what I really like started to love about it. So you're singing in these talent shows Mm -hmm. and then where does it go from there? Like, I guess kind of walk us through some of your, some of the progression here from singing at school to singing in front of the Rangers. Yeah. So I think I've always sang in choirs. And so I've always like tried out for the solos because a lot of the times the songs that they choose in choir are not something that you would necessarily choose, but it's still like a fun challenge to memorize the song, to, to get it like well or perfect. Um, and then in some, and sometimes it's like, Oh, I've never sang in that key like that, or I've never done that kind of skip. So I loved, um, I was in choir. And so I loved doing that. And so I trout for all the solos. And then I started to see that, Oh, like there's like, not just my school choir, you can audition to be in these like, Texas choirs where it's a bunch of like elementary students or middle school or high school students. So that kind of progressed to where I would audition for these bigger choir ones. And I actually in elementary school got to go to like San Antonio to sing with a bunch of other kids. Um, And then the progression is just like, I think it's just like 
just a challenge. You just, you go, okay, what's like, what else is out there that you can audition for and try and master and stretch yourself and kind of see that you can do things you didn't thought think you could do. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I like the core of kind of your thinking behind that too, because I think that's, that's what I try to apply to myself. Like what mm-hmm. you're saying with, with what writers try to do in terms of giving themselves different tasks, like different, like, okay, well, what's the next, what's the next challenge that I mm-hmm. can uh, get closer to some of my bigger ambitions to uh, like, what do, what should I yeah. tackle next to stretch myself? Yeah. But one of the things I really like about the format of this podcast is that one of the things that's been really important to me is to interview a wide range of creative disciplines, because I think in doing that, yeah. I learn more about those other fields. And I also, you know, it almost stretches myself in a way where I can think about how someone's doing something in, in a endeavor that's completely different and how it mm-hmm. might relate to my own. Well, and they all end up kind of being not the same, but like similar, the heart for creative people is usually the same thing. It's like you have this thing, whether it's like music or uh, movies or writing or reading, whatever you're crafting, you, we have this innate thing to just share it with other people. And I think, isn't it C.S. Lewis? It was like the things that give you joy are not just because they are, it's because you get to share them with people. The joy is complete when you share it. Yeah. So it's like, that you have this thing and you're like, oh, I've just got to share this with people. And you're like, I don't know why, but I just got to share it. Um, I think because in the end, we know that what we create in some way, either big or small, it's going to give some sort of hope or joy or connection with another human. Um, they'll go, what? Me too. I love that. And so I think that's probably the connection with it all, you know? Yeah, I think that's right. I think there's definitely a lot of truth behind that for sure. So one of the things that, that struck me as you were explaining, you know, the different like tiers of, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to jump this hurdle next. I'm going to try to reach for this goal next. You briefly mentioned like, Oh, this, I I think you called it a step or a, like I'm imagining it's like going from one note to another. Oh yeah. 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 But when you mentioned that it, it struck me as, okay, that's, that's something that's technical. It's, it's not like, I don't know. We were talking a lot about the performance aspect of it. Like, could you talk about some of those specific challenges in the actual singing of it? Like, like that you come across like this, I I think skipping is what you called it. Well, the the national anthem spans like two octaves. And so you have to go from, you have to find a note that's comfortable, comfortable for you. That's low enough because you know, you're going to end up going really high. So you're like, okay, I cannot screw this up and I'm not Mariah Carey. So I'm not going to be hitting these like super high, like whistle tone notes. Um, and also you like want to honor the song and not add all your extra stuff to it. So yeah, there's all the technical things and then just breathing, making sure that you get enough breath support. So that way you're not looking like you're like, <gasps> like, Oh gosh, you can't even make it through the song. And then, yeah. And just with range and singing, you've got to, you've got to practice it so much, especially if it's not your natural like inclination. I'm naturally an alto, which is the lower register for women. And soprano is the higher. I can reach those notes, but I love like being in the lower range. So a lot of times I have to stretch myself to um, practice higher because I don't want to, and it doesn't feel as natural. Um, But you know, it's like for, for you with writing, there's probably things that come way, way more naturally to you. And those other things you're like, Oh, do I want to do it? No, but I know I've got to. (laughs) To so just so that that way you're like well well balanced. 
And it's interesting too, because the final result, the goal is to make it look effortless. So Mm -hmm. a lot of those things go unappreciated, but that's kind of the point. Like you don't want people to notice (laughs) it. Yeah. And that's what I've talked to some people. It's just funny because it's like, you know that they don't mean anything by it, but you're like, oh, I've been practicing that song for like three months now. And like, and you know, it's like people don't realize how long it takes to actually like get something really good to where when you sing it and you're up there, it looks like, oh, she like does that in her sleep. And you're like, not really, but I, you want to give that appearance of it, you know? Another thing that stuck out to me when you were answering a previous question was you said something along the lines of like honoring the song. Yeah. What all goes into that for you? Like what's your criteria for making sure that you are reproducing the song in a way that you feel is honoring to the composition? Um, so I would say, so when I, I sing at my church on Sundays and so, and some of, sometimes it's like leading the song in like a solo form and then other times just like in harmony. Um, but with each of those things, it's like, okay, as like a Christian, what do these words mean to me? And you, you want to sing it in a way that really, that tells a story and somebody one time, and it was one of the, my like most favorite compliments. Somebody was like, Nicole, like when you're up there you're a storyteller. I can see that the song resonates with you. And so when you sing it and you see it on your face and the words come out and I hear the melody, they're like, you tell the story. And I was like, yes, that's like, thank you. That's like the best compliment ever because that's what I want to do is not make it something that's like self-focused and selfish and like, oh, look at me. But it's like, listen to these words, listen to the way that these people put this together And I'll add my little thing to it when I think it's necessary. But you're like, somebody took a long time to craft this. And so you want to respect it. And like, I just think like with the national anthem, I've just been seeing that a lot recently. Um, When you sing it, a lot of people do all this crazy embellishing and you're like, okay, look, this song is not a solo song. I, yes, one person sings it, but like this song is to honor our country and this song is to honor our active military and our veterans and our people that have passed away in active duty. And so I just, you, you think about that, like that goes through my head. And so there's this weight where it's like, I need to sing this song in the most respectable and best way possible because people, people have like put their lives on the line for me in this country. And I get the honor of singing it. I feel like that's like a lot of thinking to do, but for me, it's like, that's what makes the song so special. And sometimes I think that that's why when people hear me sing, it resonates with them is because I hope that they're feeling that I truly am honored and humbled to like sing it in front of them. Yeah. So there's something that's deeper beyond just the notes with all of this, I guess, especially with religious music and especially with the national anthem. Mm -hmm. But I guess on a level, it's really everything. There's there's probably some story behind, you you know, like you um, covered a lot of different songs that are used in movies and, yeah. and there's clear stories behind those too. Yeah. And like with those, I started doing that. Um, I started doing like my covers of songs um, in that really cool, like echo area um, because I wanted to make something for Frasier. Um, I was like, okay, I want to make him something that I don't spend money on, but that's like different and unique. And so I was like, Oh, I'll grab like a few songs from the Lord of the Rings movies and the Hobbit and kind of put them together. And so that's where that started for me. But again, it's like, for me, I feel like there's always like a bunch of, not a bunch, but there has to be, I have to like get behind something like in my heart 
for me to be able to do it, you know? Yeah. Like I have to, I have to connect with it. I have to connect with the story. And so Lord of the Rings for me and Frasier is that like, that's one of the things that we started to like have in common whenever we were first friends. So it's like, I always think of that whenever um, I think about singing it. Yeah. So it's not just the story of, and you kind of mentioned this with the national anthem too. It's not just the story behind the song, but also like how you relate to it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you're also wanting to, in the future, release some albums. Yep. What all do you want to put on those? Are are there going to be original compositions, uh, different covers? Yeah. So I, I know for sure the first one, um, I love old hymns. Um, so I really want to take like eight or 10 of my favorite hymns and kind of do them in my style. Um, and, 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 and I don't really, this is what I've always like, I've always been mad at myself. I'm like, Nicole, like, do you have a style? Like, what's your style of singing? And I really love everything. Um, so I really just want to be able to make something that feels like me. Um, that's not clear cut and not like, oh, she's definitely this X or Y or Z artist. She's just like, this is just her. So I really want to take hymns and uh, reimagine them for today. And then I do have a lot of original songs written and this is something that I struggle with is I have like, I have all the lyrics down, but I am horrible at playing instruments. So it's so hard for me to like sit down and try and think of, of like putting those together. And so I'm always like, am I really a musician? I, can I really do this? Um, and then you like start to second guess and you're like, ah, so I would love to do like original stuff. Um, I just know that I'll probably have to partner with somebody who's way better playing instruments and can, I can kind of like bounce my ideas with them. And then, yeah, of course I'd love to do some covers of stuff. What other instruments do you play? Um, so I can very basically play the piano and the guitar and a little bit of ukulele. And did those start pretty early on? I mean, obviously probably not as early as singing at, what was it like 10 months old or something yeah. like that? But. <laughs> yeah. So instruments actually came in a lot later. I don't know what it is about me. I, maybe it's just that you have to like sit down and be still um, <laughs> with like instruments, but they've been, they've always been like hard for me. I don't know why. When you talk about the style that you want to have in your voice or, or mm -hmm. like, you know, people come away with like, oh, that's that's an album from Nicole. Yeah. Like, like, I guess, how do you look at that? Is it, is it a certain approach to the song? Is it a certain feel in your voice? Like, like what do you feel yourself gravitating towards in, in terms of establishing that style? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Cause I know that y'all have like, as writers, you have to figure out like your voice. Um, so I love, I love like big, like I love singing really big. Um, but I also like singing things that are softer. And I would say, I would say that I typically start to tend towards like, do you know, like Alison Krauss? I don't. Okay. Well, I love her stuff. And so I really love, it's kind of like bluegrassy and I really like that, but I also really love like Southern gospel music. that's like big and you just get to sing like so loud. I love doing that. And, but also I love things that are more like ethereal so I'm like, I try to like get and go, okay, these things feel so like disparate and like not connected, but how can I take those and connect them and make them like cohesive as an album? Yeah, I gotcha. Okay. It, this is interesting <laughs> because I like, you know, you talk about, well, writers have their own voice and things like this, but mm -hmm. I'm 
still pretty early on in my my writing and so I'm I'm still learning a lot about what my voice is and I think sometimes yeah. I wonder if I'm if I almost have like a misunderstanding like I don't know like I feel like there's something about the writer voice or I guess even any artist's mm-hmm. voice in their particular craft that's like it's difficult to see in yourself. Yes, it's. I guess that's the thing is it's like if Fraser was here sitting beside me, he could probably tell you, "Oh, this is hers." But you know, like when you try and think about yourself, you're like, "Oh, uh, I don't know." <laughs> yeah, especially with writing because I'm thinking like I'm just trying to think of well the character voice like this. Okay, yeah. in this character's perspective, like I want to make sure their voice comes through. Yeah, and so I'm not. I'm not. I'm usually not ever consciously trying to worry about establishing my own style. I almost mm. feel like I see that coming out more in terms of almost connecting to what you said, where yeah. it's it's maybe not some specific way that I write that I would call my style or my voice, but mm-hmm. it's more so like what I try to tackle, like what kind of themes am I interested in? Yeah. Um, and how do I approach those themes? How do I approach the story? Uh, how do I approach describing the characters? And so mm-hmm. when I think of voice, like writing voice, a lot of times I think, well, I, I don't know what that is for me, mm-hmm. but I think of my approach to writing. And I think, I think maybe, maybe I'm getting confused about like the terminology that people use or my yeah. assumptions when I hear people, because again, I'm, I'm newer to, to writing than a lot of, you know, people have, who have been writing for decades. Yeah. Um, and so when I hear all these people, oh, they've established their voice over all this time. And and I think I'm just starting to kind of understand that 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 involves a lot more than just how I construct a sentence. Yeah. Yeah. I think the cool thing with music and is that like, if you feel like a certain style of singing, you can just make one whole album of all that style. And then you go, okay, next. So I am done with that one. And I want to try this style. Like I want to do more of, like a jazz type thing, you know? And so I think that's the cool thing about singing is that you can, you can really make it your own. You're like, okay, I tried that and that was really cool. And that was its own little challenge. And now let's shift gears. Yeah. I I relate to that as well, because kind of behind the scenes, I haven't released anything yet as far Mm -hmm. as publishing any work, but I've written two books and they're extremely different from each other, yeah. but I do see something that ties them together, yep. but they're just completely different things. And I like that freedom of, yep. of being able to explore, you know, like different sides of a coin that, that yep. don't even look like they're the same currency really. Yeah. But they still have, they still have your, your, your flair, whatever that is. It's like, okay, that's John and they're super different, but you still know that they're his. Yeah. And sometimes I get worried too with like, you know, like I'm trying to do a lot of research on marketing and things like this. And, you know, it's like, oh, you got to establish this like certain niche. And then like you write a bazillion books that are all all about like, um, I don't know, mermaids that can fly or whatever. And then you've, you've like locked down the people on Amazon who want mermaids that can fly books and like, you'll make all this money doing this. And it's like, yeah, I guess that's a good, like, like if you're, if you're coming at it from, the perspective of like, oh, I just want to, like, I love to write and I want to fit, I want to like find yeah. a market that's fun to do. Like I can see that people would get a lot, you know, out of exploring something like that. Yeah. But for me, kind of going back to what we talked about, like making new challenges, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, like, and again, maybe this is just because I'm, 
early on and I'm trying to figure out like what I like to explore. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe all those thoughts will change, but right now it feels like, Oh, every time I set out to do a new book or a new series, I want it to really feel distinct from, uh, from the last thing that I wrote. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I know that all the marketing stuff has like has its place, but at the end of the day, it's like, did you enjoy making it? Whatever it was, did you enjoy creating it? Did you have fun? Did it bring you joy? And I think that because I've talked to Fraser about that about with his book, where it's like if something's good, people are gonna love it, and if it's and if you can like connect with it, like a book or a song, it does it doesn't even have to matter like what the genre is, and it can be like a crossover of a bunch of different ones. If it's good and you did it well, and people super connect with it, I think that that is better than all the marketing in the world, you know? Yeah. Cause people feel that when, when they're, when they're yeah. watching you perform, like what you're saying, like the, like the expression on your face, mm-hmm. like they, they can feel if you have a passion for it Yep. instead yes. of, instead of like, Oh, this particular singer only sings this one specific type of music. Yep. It's, it's like, Oh, that singer sings things that mean something to her. And, yep. and I think there's a lot of value behind that. Yeah, I, I agree. Okay, so I want to I want to hear your perspective on imposter syndrome, especially because you felt it. Um, yeah, I have felt it too, but I will tell you, I don't know if it's like just the hypothesis I have about it, or just mm-hmm. like how I feel about it. But I always approach imposter syndrome like this: if I feel that if I feel those feelings about it, I try. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it as a red flag of. John, you have something to learn in this category. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like a lot of a lot of people, like especially on social media, imposter syndrome is almost this thing where it's like this excuse to 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 like not take on a new challenge. Yeah. So whenever I feel, oh, like I'm reading my own work, it does not feel right to me. Um, I think there's this temptation to be like, oh, that's just the imposter syndrome setting in. (laughs) Um, Like everything's going to be fine. Everyone's going to read it and they're going to think it's great. It's just my own opinion of my work. Yeah. But I think it's actually a little bit of a, like a healthy warning sign to take a second look and also do some reading up on, okay, I have a problem with description. Mm -hmm. I should start reading people who are really good at description and learning from them and applying that to my work. Yeah. I'd never thought about like that because I was more, I'm more think of it where I'm just like, I'll like be in a place where I feel like these are like all great musicians. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, who, what, like, do I fit in here? Yeah. You know, where you're like, what? You're like, no, I do. But, and I, I feel like I mostly feel that because I like don't have something out where it's like, yeah, no, I'm not like, I'm not, I don't have an album out. I'm not like on Spotify or whatever. And I can't, or like, just like as a singer, it's like, I can't really play instruments that well. And so I'm like, am I really a musician? Like, but then it goes back to the fact of it's like, well then who's, who, Nicole, who's defining musician for you? Like what, what is the definition in your head that you're not living up to, you know? And for that case, because here I relate to you too, where it's like, okay, well, I don't have a book out and Mm -hmm. how can we talking about writing and, you know, an intelligent way or something like that. Well, it's like, okay, I have been doing it for a a good amount of time now. I'm studying about it and I'm learning a lot and I have stuff to say about it. Yeah. And so I might not be, you know, 
I might not ever be to the level of someone like, I don't know, Stephen King or Frazier and I were talking a lot about Tolkien yeah. and C.S. Lewis. And it's like, well, well, that doesn't mean I'm not a writer. And also all those people, you know, they didn't come out of the womb as some like, <laughs> no. brilliant writer. Like, like, you know, uh, you know, Taylor Swift isn't one years old and, you know, has some album out. It's, yeah. it's, she <laughs> went through a journey and, and, you know, you're going through yours and, and the difference is you see every step of your own journey. So you're aware. Yes. So it doesn't look as cool and clean cut. You're like, oh, dang, what's going on? Like, what's going on here? But yeah, but I will say it's like whenever, whenever I do feel like that, where I'm like, well, am I really a musician? It's like, okay, first off, yes. What are you like, what are you doing? What do you sometimes get even paid to do? And what do people enjoy from you? Okay, you sing, you've got this. And I think that sometimes those are just like attacks from Satan, um, especially whenever I sing like things at church or things that are about Jesus. Sometimes he doesn't like when you say his name, when you say Jesus' name, that's powerful. And so sometimes I feel like I'll feel like that a lot because he doesn't want that light and that hope out there, you know? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, so so all this is a good... Like you mentioned when I was talking about imposter syndrome and kind of my perspective on it, you hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, and no. I, I have thought about it a little bit this way, but but again, I wonder if it's like a different... I, di- I wonder if it's a different kind of like root cause for both of us because mm-hmm. because a lot of times when I hear imposter syndrome, like I almost brush it off a little bit like, oh, like again with that it's it's a red flag to something that you should probably be working on because yep. that's what it is for me. Yep. But the way you described it is a different way of looking at it where it's you know you're you're comparing yourself to to other people who are in that field and getting discouraged. Yeah, I would say it's more of that. Probably probably more discouragement. Maybe not imposter syndrome where it's like you get discouraged but then you're like, "No, okay." no, I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm capable. I'm able, I can do this. I might have to work harder. And so that's maybe that's where our, our, like ours bridge where you go, okay, quit being discouraged, push into this, do it. And you may not be the best, but keep going, you know? Yeah. And especially because again, it's, it's like, I, I think when people feel that imposter syndrome, they're, they're often comparing it to the best of the best of the best. And <laughs> yeah. and yeah, it's like, it's like at the end of the day, we should be aiming high. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's going back to to your um, kind of spiritual connection to it. It's like, well, well, that's how we glorify God best mm-hmm. is by by putting our best forward. Yep. But again, something that we talked about early on was you're like when whenever you're learning something, whether it be you're developing a skill further that you've had for a long time, or if you're learning something new. You really have to keep your focus on okay. Well, what's the next goalpost? Like, what am mm-hmm. what is the very next challenge? Like, you're not, you know, when you put out those auditions, you weren't sending like a reel of of your singing to, I don't know, um, like a Hollywood agent to try yeah. to sing like the end song of like the next Avatar movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like you're you're setting a goal that you feel is okay. Maybe this is right at the edge of what I can attain. Yeah. So I'm going to start aiming for this because you don't want to set you don't want to set something up for yourself that you know you won't get because that's just yeah. that's like mean to yourself. You're like okay, <laughs> like do you got to do do something like you said that's like right at the edge 
of what you're capable at to where you're like, okay, I'm pretty sure I can do this. I might have to work pretty hard, but I think I can do it. And then, and then that gives you confidence to like, keep going and keep going to the next thing. Yeah. Like sometimes I worry about, about, I see a lot of like, um, authors will receive as gifts, like these, like future number one, New York times bestseller. And and it's like, um, (laughs) Like, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that does happen to you. Or, you know, I mean, I mean, not to get too much into like the way the bestseller list works for the New York Times and who can and cannot get on it. But, but, you know, that might not even be like, that might not even be the goal that you want to achieve. Like that might not, yeah, that night might not be crossing the boxes that are most valuable to you in the first place. Yes, I think a lot of what people can do to combat imposter syndrome is both, you know, look at how they want to improve on their craft, mm-hmm. but also look at what their goals are, both both long term and in the short term, and making yeah. sure that they they are thinking about a path to get there. Yeah, and because I'll say, like my, I guess, like my like full path and journey and goals for singing. Like I always wanted to be a super famous singer, you know, like win American Idol. Um, but like, as I've gotten older, you just go like, oh, do I really want to be like on tour all the time and like never see Frasier and never be home and be tired all the time? So, you know, you start to go, oh, that's not even, that's not even something that I really actually want. Like I want to sing and I want to share that with people. And, and, and you probably know this, like as you get older and things happen, your, your dreams and goals change. And then sometimes it's not that you're like letting go of something. It's that maybe that wasn't yeah. for you in the first place. And that maybe God is most glorified through you with this really small thing. Or if he happens to let you be this multi-platinum singer person and that's what he's most glorified through, then he'll do that, you know? And so I've been learning like just through life, especially with, well, mostly with everything, but like with singing and stuff is that you've got, it's like you can hold it, but you've got to keep it in such a loose grasp because it's going to change and it's going to morph and it's going to look different. And just because it looks different from what you imagined doesn't mean that it's bad, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of like that in, you know, we're talking about like setting goals, but then I think about just boiling that concept that you mentioned down to the actual writing process. Like, Mm -hmm. Like if I, like I'll do some planning with the book and I'll have an idea about what I want to accomplish with it. But if I, if I just dig my heels like in the dirt and say Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 the book is this, the book is this, that's what I set out to do. And I don't let my gut instinct in on the creation process. It ends up, it ends up getting all funky. Like, like it's, um, yeah. And it's not good. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's almost like I'm, I'm stopping what it's meant to be. And I wonder like sometimes things in life, I feel like there's these echoes both again, like we're talking about things on one level, but now I'm relating it to the actual creative process. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that there's certain elements of, of, I don't know if I want to call them like truths or or like, like universal truths or something, but, um, but I think there's something to it when there's a concept that's echoed both like here, the creative process, but also in like our life goals. Yeah. And I think that's what draws me to writing too, because there's so much, like there's so much that you can say 
within a story that also mirrors something that's true in life. Yes, and, and but it's easier to do it through writing than it is in other any other way, right? And that's like for singing for me. Where yeah. It's like you are processing these things and you're feeling these things and you're seeing these themes through life. And sometimes it's easier to sing it, to portray it and to share it than it is to just say it in plain words. And for you, is that like finding a song that reflects how you feel? Or is it like you mentioned, you write some original things. Is it, are you processing some of those things through original material as well? Yeah. Yeah. I would say both those things where it's like sometimes there's these songs that just come up that somebody else has already made. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is part of the like theme for this year or like the season of my life. And you're like, yes. And then also through writing my songs, um, yeah, you process through those things. And it's funny when you look back, you didn't realize that you're like, Oh, that mo- that was like really on my mind because that's like the, that's what is in every single song. And I didn't even realize it. Again, this is kind of, the heart behind why I started the show too was because I noticed things like that in my own life. Mm-hmm. And at first it started with me wondering, okay, well, do other writers have this? I would assume yes. And then mm-hmm. I thought, well, well, I've, I know so many people in my life who, you know, are interested in different artistic disciplines and not just writing. And I would really like to know if they've had that experience as well. Yeah. And I think it's definitely been something that's, that I've seen connected between people in their, their creative, um, disciplines. Yeah. And, and I don't know what it is about that, what it is about if it's, again, if it's something that, that is just part of the process of creating, or Mm -hmm. if it's, or if it's related to like, we need to create because we need to like get that out of our system or something. Like, I don't, I don't know what the true origin is. Well, I think it's that is it's like, since we're like made in the image of our creator, he's a creator. And so I think it's just like, we have to create, you know, it's that, where it's that thing where you like ask me, it's like, where's the first time you're like, honestly, it feels like you, you can't even remember the first time because it just feels like it always was like, it was always there a part of you. Yeah. I think there definitely is something to that. And I always wonder too, if is everyone drawn to some sort of creation, whether mm-hmm. it be something that's, that's linked directly into the arts or is it like, like, I don't know if, if people who wouldn't consider themselves creative people, because I know that there, there are a lot of people out there who will just, yeah. they'll look at like, oh, you sing or, oh, you write. Um, I, I would never, I don't have really any ambition to do that. And that's like, that's such a lie where it's like, we're all, we are all creative, but in all different ways. What other ways do you see that are beyond maybe these traditional avenues of creation, whether it be writing, singing? Uh, painting, things like this. Yeah. I have a brother and he's much more like mechanical and technical, but I can even see his creativity in that where he can look at parts of a machine or something that he's building. And he's creative in that way where it's like, okay, I would have never put that and that together. Like I'm looking at all these different parts. I'm like, how do these go together? But he can do it where he just puts it together and it's done. You know? Yeah. You think about like, Uh, people who build houses or like electricians or plumbers or the people that fix your cars. Like in some instances they have to be creative because it's like, if they don't have a specific part for whatever problem, they have to then in their mind go, okay, I know how this works and I know how this works. So I need to bridge this, you know? So I think that everybody can be creative. It's just that 
we've been taught and told that, oh no, it's only this, these certain people that can be creative. It's like, no, if you're using, if you're using your brain and you're thinking up creative solutions to things, or you're creating something that is like a need, you're filling a need, but you're not like an artistic person. That doesn't mean you're not creative. Yeah. I think you're right that there's, there is some sort of cultural narrow mindedness, I guess about Mm -hmm. that. And so, so I don't know, maybe, and I, I know that in the future, I'm already hoping to interview people who, who bake and who make food. Yeah. Cause that's creative. Yeah. I think sometimes that's, that's clear too. Like, like if it's, whether it be how someone, you know, arranges the plate or mm-hmm. something like that. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually really excited to do that because I think it, it, who knows, maybe when I, when I have those interviews, then I'll be like, wait a second, I should be having like an engineer on or, or, yeah. um, <laughs> Uh, or really expanding things beyond, because I do think that the theme of the show should and can apply to every aspect of our lives, because mm-hmm. I, I don't think, you know, life is something that's just meant to be this ho-hum, like, oh, we're all just here, like, doing our, you know, pointless tasks. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I think I think if people are searching for the meaning behind why they're doing things, whether that be on a spiritual level or, or just, you know, some sort of creative level. I, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of value into hearing people's stories. Yes. Yeah, I agree. You not only sing, but you also teach others to sing. Yeah. Uh, what do you find in that that's, that's different than singing, you know, for yourself? In giving lessons, it, it always prompts me to go, oh, you need to know your stuff. Because when you're teaching it to somebody else, um, you know, like when you do things by yourself, you can kind of get away like on the fly of like, oh, okay, I kind of know that. But when you're teaching it to somebody, you've really got to know it. And so that always mm-hmm. like kicks me into gear of, okay, make sure you know your stuff. Make sure you're like teaching them things like breathing and posture properly because that's like the backbone of it all. And then also um, I just love um, – most of my students are usually between like 8 and 9 to like 13, 14 years old. Um, and they're, and they're usually, they're mostly girls. Um, and I just love the aspect of it, of watching them grow and kind of, and gain a lot of confidence. Um, because you know, it's, you know, like when your parents tell you, oh, you're great at it, or you have family tell you, oh, you're a good singer. It's like, you take it, but there's something cool about having like an older person that you like being around going, you've got this. And if you keep practicing, you're going to get better. And so I, it's fun for me to like, see them grow in their confidence and, um, and just in like their posture and the way they carry themselves and the way that they, and just, it's so cool to see them actually like incrementally get better. Um, cause I'll do a thing where I see how, how long they can hold that, hold a note out, which is like showing me like their breast support. And they'll start off really small at the beginning. And then like a few months in, they'll be holding it out for so long. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, look, like you can see tangible evidence of you just practicing every week that it's working. And so I just love, I just really love, and I just like connecting with people, um, especially, and especially young girls. I just think that they have so many more challenges than even like I had as a young girl. And so I, it's just cool for me to feel like I'm creating a safe space for them to grow and to experiment and to have fun and to, and to, and to just like feel, feel confident around someone, you know? And is that what drew you to teaching? Like, did you expect 
to get that out of it or? Yeah, that's something that surprised me. I, I had never taught people in music before. And, and again, I, at first I was at a place that was like a brick and mortar and now I'm doing it on my own. Um, but I just needed a job. And so I was like, yeah, sure. I'll give lessons. I told him, I was like, I do not have a degree in music. So just let the parents know that if that's something that they don't want. And they're like, Oh, Nicole, don't worry about it. And yeah. And I didn't, I didn't realize that I would end up loving it as much as I do. So again, like thinking about like the imposter syndrome side of things, like, Mm -hmm. like you kind of hinted that, well, you don't have a degree. And and a question I was thinking about asking you was like, was there a, was there a moment where you were like, you know what, I'm ready to teach, but it sounds like it was more like, you know, I, I'm ready to earn some money somehow. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, I was like, yeah, because, but, and really somebody had just randomly asked me, they were like, do you give voice lessons? And I said, no. And they were like, do you want to? And I said, are you sure? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, come on. And so I was like, okay, if you are willing, then I'll definitely come and try it. And then I just was like, okay, this is so, I love this. And to me, the like um, half hour or the hour, the, it really goes by so quickly especially because and kids are just like fun to talk to because they just talk about so much random stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, and yeah, so I just, I loved it a lot and they just, and kids have just like a joy for life that as you get older, sometimes gets like squeezed out of you. And so that's just mm-hmm. fun to be around, and especially around kids that want to learn music. So it's not like they're being forced to, it's like they want to be there and they're super excited every time they see you because they're excited about what we're going to do and the songs we're going to sing yeah, so it really surprised me how much I, I love doing it. Well, thanks so much, Nicole, for coming on the podcast. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. I think we hit we hit so many different topics, uh, so many of them that I did not expect to hit, which is, I think, always super fun. Okay, um, good. Because it, you know, just challenges, like, I don't know, like we were talking about with challenging ourselves, um, I think from, like, the podcasting perspective, like, it, there's something cool about like challenging yourself in the discussion to think about things that you haven't thought of before. Yeah. And that's what I loved about this is that I was like, Oh, I don't, what am I going to say? But it was cool because there were some things I had never thought about. And now I can go from here and go, you know, I need, I do, I need to write that down or not be worried about like the perfection and just be like, okay, you're, you're growing, you're progressing. This is fine. Yeah. And so, so people who are interested in uh, hearing you sing, we're going to have some links in the show notes and also on the Cause of Craft Instagram. Uh, but where can people connect directly with you? Okay. So right now they can connect directly with me on Instagram and it's Nicole Lear. It's N-I-C-O-L-E-L-E-A-R. And then um, also on my YouTube channel, which is Nicole Lear Music. Um, I should have all my stuff up there. And I'm working on getting a website, but I'll let you guys know when that's up. Well, great. Well, thanks again so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. You can follow Nicole on Instagram at Nicole Lear. She's also on YouTube and we'll have links to her channel and some of her work in the show notes and on causeofcraft.com. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and follow Cause of Craft on Instagram for the latest news and updates, including visual companions for every episode. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews will help more people discover the show. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or guest recommendations, send an email to john at causeofcraft.com. That's J-O-N at causeofcraft.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.